Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, our cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians reads through the Book of Concord and discusses our Lutheran confession of faith. On today's show, we're continuing with the Small Called Articles, which are the articles confessing the faith written by Martin Luther himself. And we'll be taking a look at Article 8 of Confession, which we began last week, but only just covered the first couple of ver- uh, verses. <laughs> I'm thinking of the Bible here. Uh, but, well, this comes from the Bible. I'm, I'm not at all making the point that this does not relate to the Bible. Uh, but uh, our Book of Concord... Uh, groups it out in paragraphs and uh and and we had the first two paragraphs last week when we had pastor michael sherman on with us and uh we we saw that connection in there with the keys and then here in paragraph three as we shift what we'll be taking a look at um, martin luther begins to, to discuss something a little bit different um not different from confession but you know just kind of a different issue than the first two paragraphs deals with so that that's what we'll be wrestling with today anyway our confessors for today are pastor peter ill pastor of trinity of milstadt illinois and layman peter slayton social media manager for the lutheran church missouri synod you know them they're our cohort we love them they're very good for the show no hugs all right, yeah, we won't hug. That, that was starting to get a little too warm and fuzzy for okay. me there. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, after after convention and all the busyness you had with that, I I just felt like you needed some love. Last week I was training missionaries. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that actually is. That, that's quite rejuvenating yeah. after a convention and things like that, right? Yep. Anyway, you know me. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith. I'm the pastor of Emmanuel in St. Paul's in rural southern Illinois. Anyway, let's get to some confessing here. Let's get down to business and confess, church. So, as I said, we are digging into Article 8 on confession. We're picking up with Paragraph 3. And as we set it up already last week, I encourage you to go back, check out the archives, listen to it on demand. But we're going to pick up with Paragraph 3, and so I'm going to start reading here. In issues relating to the spoken outward word, we must firmly hold that God grants his spirit or grace to no one except through or with the preceding outward word, citing Galatians 3, 2, and 5. This protects us from the enthusiasts, i.e. souls who boast that they have the spirit without and before the word. They judge scripture or the spoken word and explain and stretch it at their pleasure, as Munzer did. Many still do this today, wanting to be sharp judges, between the spirit and the letter, and yet they do not know what they are saying, citing Second Corinthians 3, 6. Actually, the papacy, too, is nothing but sheer enthusiasm. The Pope boasts that all rights exist in the shrine of his heart. Whatever he decides and commands within his church is from the spirit and his right, even though it is above and contrary to scripture and the spoken word. All right, I'm going to pause there just because I think we have enough to talk about. Let's define some enthusiasts. Okay, go ahead and ask your question, ladies. Well, I I think you were starting to get there, but the the term enthusiasm and enthusiasts 
I know for me, as I first heard that, was kind of confusing because it seems like, well, these are just people who are excited about the Bible, who are excited about Jesus. Why are we saying they're bad people? So I, I would appreciate enthusiasm and what we mean by that being unpacked a little bit more here. When we read the book of Concord and talk about enthusiasm, it's actually a piece of technical jargon. It's a, it's a technical theological oh, term. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's really important to understand this particular piece of jargon. Because we, we can say, you know, oh, my pastor, he's really enthusiastic. Uh, that right. means he's excited and, and, you know, has pep in his voice and spring in his step, and that's a good thing. Yeah, which in my context, that's pretty much the only way I hear it used. But in the book of Concord, or Concord? Concord? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> the, the word enthusiasm refers to somebody of a particular theological bent where they focus more on the experience of the word than on the... Uh, actual presence of the external word as it is given in scripture, as it's given uh, in the words of holy absolution, as it's given in uh, the word and the water of baptism, and the word and the bread and wine, the body and blood of Jesus' supper. And so this idea of of enthusiasm is a, a feeling of God's love and God's will that isn't necessarily substantiated uh, outside of that. So in contemporary terms, how I might hear this spoken today more commonly would be, you know, just this this feeling that, that confirms God in my heart or um, like I think you mentioned experiencing God could indicate something along those lines. But following my heart, um, listening to my heart, listening, being true to myself, some of that where that's God is guiding me through those feelings and emotions i feel that god would or i feel that god wouldn't uh, would also be uh, consistent with that or, uh, co or could be because i think sometimes when we say i feel that god would we actually mean think but our culture right. uses feel sure. to do a whole bunch of different things so it's i think that's part of the confusion is if we're talking about feelings we use feel to mean so many different things that aren't actually feeling uh, luther also talked about these enthusiasts these people who uh, didn't count on the external word, but had whatever word uh, seemed to be present within them. Mm. And he referred to them uh, using the German word schwärmerei, which is just a fun word to say. I'm going to see how many times <laughs> I can get it in today. But the schwärmerei, uh, well, that means buzzing bees. And so Luther would refer to the buzzing bees. And uh, later on, he actually referred to Thomas Munzer, who's referenced in the paragraph that Pastor Smith just read, uh, as having swallowed the Holy Spirit, feathers and all. Uh, <laughs> this idea that uh, there there is some indwelling of God that makes each uh, ma that makes one of these preachers have this gift of having God's word internal within them, and not necessarily being subject to the not being subject to the scriptures or the spoken words of God, but rather they were governed by whatever was inside of them that made its way out. And, and maybe even went so far as to say, I don't actually need to be reading the Bible. I I know this in my innermost being, and that's good enough for me. And we and like you said before, we see a lot of that going on today. Uh, I I've, I've heard people say, "But pastor, God just wants me to be happy and living my life this way, or uh, having this ethical or moral uh, move." That makes me happy, and so God God wants me to do that and and to be this way. And 
it doesn't matter that it's contrary to God's revealed word in Scripture. I, I think this plays out in a lot of things that we've talked about on this show, too, before, about the how they do theology in the Roman Catholic Church. It, it's all connected with this enthusiasm, as you guys have just well discussed here. Um, in, in particular, I, I'm recalling maybe a couple of years ago or so now, actually, we've been doing the show a while together. But, uh, uh, Pastor, <laughs> o, you, yeah, you were talking about, uh, you know, how we read Scripture. And, and you have that uh, ministerial and magisterial reading of Scripture, right? And, 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 and so it plays in in this way, right? So that the enthusiasm, you know, I, I have this inner sense of what I feel is right and wrong. And that's not formed and shaped by God's Word, right? Um, but rather, I read that into God's Word. And so I think that that's all tied in and connected here. And, and a great danger for for the church then that anytime you have that. So, uh, Lamus Slayton, Slayton, you uh, brought up here about uh, how we still see this today and so forth. And, and I think... You know, well, you talked about it in terms of, you know, just not reading scripture, right? You know, <laughs> um, and, and we've talked about this before, too, where you have, you know, kind of the illiteracy of their time. They literally couldn't read it. I mean, that was a, a landmark thing that Martin Luther did in translating it into the common language and then also reforming kind of education and teaching people to read so mm-hmm. that they could read their Bibles for themselves and be formed and shaped by God's word. And then now we have the ability where we can read except that we don't, right? <laughs> and so, uh, and, and then we, we, we begin to do theology by our inner, our inner voices, what we feel is right, what we, you know, think is right. And mm-hmm. I think, again, very revealing for our culture. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Layman Slayton, and pointing out, you know, when we say feel, it's actually what I think. But, but again, what's that being formed and shaped by? Mm-hmm. And, and here the enthusiasm literally just means that, 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 Feeling within, because especially at the time of Luther, I don't think that they would have even spoken in terms of I feel right. Um, it, it was just they were doing this theology, but but reading things into scripture when they would cite scripture or, or speaking authoritatively from the church, uh, only shaped by their own thoughts on the matter. And, and I'm wondering if that's one of the distinctions that's helpful to make as, as you're speaking. I just thought of this. We read this today in terms of feelings, because that's the overwhelming way in which this most commonly appears. But back then, they wouldn't have necessarily said, I feel this, therefore this is what's true. It might have simply been, I believe God has revealed this to me, or I simply know because of my own education and my own knowledge, apart from God's word, that this is true, or God has given me this special word, and and they wouldn't have necessarily tied feelings to it. I think we so frequently tie enthusiasm to feelings because in our culture today, the the feelings is kind of how we interact with the divine um, most commonly. And not 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 rightfully, but just how it happens in the culture. And to stick with the this idea that the enthusiasm that's being referenced here is someone's internal experience of God, yeah. uh, very much like like mysticism, which focuses on somebody's internal experience of God. And mysticism and enthusiasm, in the technical sense, are very closely tied together. But Luther makes a move that that we kind of don't expect. We expect him to go after. These folks who are uh, very openly mystical and who are very openly uh, anti-Roman Catholic Church, but who aren't quoting the Bible as they do it, we don't necessarily expect Luther to turn around in the next breath and say, 
And this thing that, that Thomas Munzer and the other enthusiasts and the other Schwermerei are doing, well, yeah, the Pope in the Roman Catholic Church is doing the same thing, saying, God said, through this statement, ex cathedra, through that bull, a, a papal document of doctrine, and he is having his own statements speaking for God and, and having things come out of his own experience and out of his own self that uh, get treated with scriptural authority but aren't scripture and uh, don't seem to be shaped and formed by scripture. It's, I mean, if we're going to, the direct comparison today would be when somebody says, well, God says we should do this. And I say, well, okay, where is that in the Bible? Where does he actually say that? In the Bible, and if that passage can't be found, or if there isn't something that were okay, yeah, that is what God said, that person would fit in the category of an enthusiast if they say, "No, I know God told me this is what it is, or this is what God says," because I know inside, you know, this inner experience tells me this is true, and that's good enough for me. We do see that quite a lot. You you see it in some of the. Um, charismatic Pentecostal arms with uh, direct revelation from God and modern day prophecy and things of that nature where, you know, people will look at current events and say, well, this is God told me this is what it means. Um, God said this is what's going to happen. But the God said is not actually found in scripture anywhere. And so that would be an example of enthusiasm. Yeah, and and sometimes I I think that when we talk about enthusiasts, and CFW Walther dealt with this at the founding of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, he had a line where he said, basically, we're always dealing with enthusiasts, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, because he was citing where Luther was dealing with it and writing with it this being among we, we them, always right? want to make ourselves right. god so this yeah, yeah exactly this, this is one it, it way is to do it. connected with our sinful nature and we see it and 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 i think sometimes we make the jump to maybe what we call and, and maybe um you know we we could sometime on this show delve a little more deeper into what we mean by the charismatics and things sure. like that but yeah. but certainly i did throw out yeah. undefined terms no that and that's <laughs> fine and we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it some more yep, but yep. uh um but I think this this move that he makes that Luther makes here, I think you're you're quite onto something there, Peter Ill, in pointing out that uh, this really does um, kind of get us to see it, it's it's two sides of the same coin, right? And so we were talking just even before we went on air here about how I was recently watching the uh, national convention of the. Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA, and how they recently passed a resolution. Um, I was watching the live stream of this, passed a resolution that basically says um, that they have interfaith relationships and that we, we don't know and that we, um, you know, we don't know everything and that there, there are more ways to God and to heaven than simply through Jesus. Yeah, because we don't know everything. Right. There may be other ways right. to be saved. And, and so, I mean, it, it made me look back a couple of weeks ago to when we were all sitting down there. All three of us were down there at convention, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, yeah, we may have some issues to, to talk about and have serious discussion at our convention. But it makes me glad that we're not dealing with that because that, that's a fundamental thing. But that's also the very definition of enthusiasm. And we come from another church body that has a Lutheran as a part of their official name. Mm. Um, and I know that we all in this room anyway, have some skepticism about that. 
that that Lutheran being there, um, and, and and yet you know would would seem to be of the more traditional. I mean, there were lots of folks standing around wearing collars, like I'm wearing mine today, mm-hmm. right? And and yet here they are denying Scripture and taking a look at Scripture. And and one person even stood up and cited Jesus himself, who says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." That's pretty plain, right? Uh, and then he was voted down <laughs> uh, in speaking against that that resolution um and they passed it as a church body um which is just terrible and 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 the conversation going on there at their convention was was literally this enthusiastic reading of scripture right mm-hmm. you know that uh and they were literally talking in this feeling sense you know it, it's embarrassing for us that uh here in front of our interfaith partners that we would be having this conversation and think i mean just just so enthusiasm related right that they're reading into scripture their own presuppositions instead of letting scripture clearly define itself and speak for itself in that Christ Jesus alone is the way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we can be sure of anything in scripture and in the church, <laughs> uh, it could, it should be that, right? Right. Um, and yet this, this is the same problem that we continually have over and over. It, it was a problem uh, in, in Luther's day. It's a problem for Walther at the founding of the LCMS and, and other church bodies. It, it continues to be a problem today, right? It makes me remember that the antidote to this enthusiasm is Scripture and is the revealed Word of God. And I don't want this to come off like I'm saying uh, that the Bible is a magical book. Uh, because that's not what I mean at all. But the words and promises of God that are revealed in Scripture, the words and promises of God that are revealed through the sacraments of baptism and communion, the words and promises of God that make up holy absolution, the words and promises of God that come when a, when a pastor steps into the pulpit and speaks in accordance with Scripture and teaches and preaches the very same thing that Scripture says, that external word of God is the antidote against this kind of enthusiasm because, uh, as Luther said, the heart is an idol factory. And the idea that I, from within myself, from my heart, can make up my own gods, man, that my sinful flesh loves that. And that's why we have enthusiasm. And that's why we have enthusiasm. Is It's a natural flowing out of, of my heart, which is an idol factory. But... Here comes the words of Holy Scripture, the words of Jesus' commands and promises saying, no, no, it's not from within you that you are clean. It's not from within you that you are good. You are not the source of anything good at all. But Jesus is the source of what's good for me and for all of us. And it is Jesus who gives us exactly that, the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation that we cannot know apart from Jesus. And so Jesus comes and says, see, I suffered and I died for you outside of you. See, I've given you the waters of holy baptism. I've given you my own body and blood in the Lord's Supper. I've given you a preacher to forgive your sins. Believe this and live. And it comes from outside of you because from inside of you, you've got nothing. As the small catechism says, whoever believes believes these words and promises has what it says, right? Mm -hmm. And and you just made that point quite excellently. All right, so I I know that we have more to unpack here. And actually, we've even said some of the things that uh, the the rest of the article will say for (laughs) itself, you know, namely talking about that this dwells within us in our original Adam. We'll see that in paragraph nine here in a minute. So I'll get back to reading in a second. But, But tie it in for me here. How does this relate to confession then? Why why is this under the the article about confession? Well, it's 
it's the word of forgiveness. So once again, at risk of jumping ahead, uh, Romans ten seventeen. I've I pulled that up here. It says, well, I'm going to back up a little bit. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. I know we often hear faith comes by hearing, I, and faith comes by hearing the word. I often hear that verse quoted and dropping off the of Christ. It's this of Christ, that forgiveness of what, what Christ has done for us. That's the actual word. So I was going to mention this as we're reading through the next paragraphs. If you guys are reading along with us or you pull this out later and, and read it for yourself, you'll notice at least in the version we're reading, word is capitalized. It's it's not a lowercase word. It's And that's not just because it's referencing the Bible. It's because it's the word of Christ. It's Christ himself that we're talking about. It's his work and what he's done that actually delivers these things. So in confession and absolution, the word you want to hear isn't your pastor's words. It isn't your own internal experiences, your own thoughts of what you think about your sin. It isn't even, you know, what your necessarily what your church thinks about your sin, although hopefully your church thinks the right things about what your sin is. What you need to hear is the word of Christ spoken to you, specifically that your sin is forgiven, that it's been paid for, um, and that you are free now to live as a Christian, to live under the cross. That's that's to, that's the tie to confession. Why is this under confession? Well, you, you need that the right word, that, and it's a person. You, you brought up a couple of things that uh, studio mom Sarah Golseth uh, is is reminding me to uh, uh, make sure that we bring out here. Number one, uh, that verse is the theme verse of this radio station. And I know. Podcast. I was thinking of that. Faith, yeah, it's on my T-shirt. Yeah, faith comes yeah. by hearing, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, and 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 we want to be clear and about they this. don't leave off the of Christ, so that they, they actually have a whole right? thing. It's good because our yeah. whole you know saying is Christ for you anytime, yep. anywhere, yeah. right? Um, which. I, I want to make this distinction. I certainly don't want to talk bad, and I'm not talking bad about KFO or anything like that. Uh, but here's a difference. Here's here's a key difference that we need to make sure that we distinguish, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we can certainly talk about Christ. We can provide faithful teaching, and there's lots of great shows here available to you through KFO mm-hmm. um, that do that. And hopefully, you're listening to one right now, right? right? Where we're doing that. Um, this is different than going to your pastor, which which I would say yes. the Romans passage is more directly focused on, and especially yeah. this article, right, when related to confession, y- you need to go to your pastor. You need to go to church. You need to receive the sacraments, which are the word of Christ made physical, tangible, and real for you, right? Yeah. Uh, be absolved of your sin. Uh, don't don't just, you know, listen to this and say, oh, I got my church stuff taken care of, right? This, this is great, you know, um, we often use these terms, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the behind the lines artillery fire helping on the front line, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of a, a battlefield kind of thing and so forth. Uh, it's, it's great to be able to provide teaching and everything, but especially as Pastor Ill and I are, are on the front lines as parish pastors and so forth. It's not even self-serving that I'm sp- saying this, you know, that you need to go to church, but it, you actually do. And, and, and we do too. We go to Father Confather, Confe- uh, <laughs> if I can talk, Confessors. <laughs> Pastors Fa- for pastors. Feathers. I like that. Confeathers. <laughs> I don't know what that is, name. but it's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Uh, Father confessors, <laughs> pastors to a pastor, right? Uh, because we need Christ 
also, right, and, and, and in very direct terms. The other thing that you bring up, as you said, in the edition that we're reading, I should highlight, because I usually do at the beginning of the show, and I fail to today, we are reading from the Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, the reader's edition of the Book of Concord, available through CPH. Uh, great uh, work that they provided, and, and very supportive of this show. Uh, and so I just definitely want to put that back in the forefront of your mind again. Well, talking about needing to Thanks go... for the reminder, Studio Mom. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about needing to go to church, I mean, that's Nothing that we do here on KFUR on the show can actually replace that. Even listening to the services that are streamed on Sunday don't replace actually going to church on Sunday, being there with the body of Christ physically present. I mean, Christ was incarnate. He came, he had a body, he was physically with us. That actually tells us something about being physically with each other in church. Confession is part of that. So it is a different thing to have a phone call with my pastor And over the phone, he might say, he might absolve me and say, my sins are forgiven. It's different to be standing with the body of Christ on a Sunday morning where my pastor absolves the sins of the congregation. And it's even different still to go privately to my pastor, to have him place his hand on my head and speak those words right into my ear that I am forgiven for the sake of Christ. That That's what we're talking about here is not just over the radio waves, but in person with your pastor, that's how Christ has set it up for you to receive that forgiveness, or one way, let's put it that way. It actually matters to do it physically in person. Absolutely. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Christ for you, that's what we're all about here, but definitely... That's what the church is there for you for. All right. Thanks for listening to the first half of the show. We're going to take a break. Please come right back, and I promise we'll get more into the Small Called Articles. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like another. On this Tuesday, August 13th, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsor, Richard Berkey of Perryville, Missouri. Richard made a contribution to help share the gospel worldwide in loving memory of his son, David Arnold Berkey, born August 12th, 1962, in Lutheran Hospital Ikit, Nigeria, West Africa. David fell asleep in the Lord in October of 2015. Thank you, Richard Berkey, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsor. A small pocket Bible carried by Francis Merrifield, an American soldier in the Battle of Bunker Hill, survived the most iconic battle of the Revolutionary War. Of 400 American troops killed or wounded, he was one of the last to leave the field of battle. 
Writing extensively on the inside covers of the Bible, thanking God for his survival, on the back of the New Testament title page, he wrote, Cambridge, June 17, 1775. I desire to bless God in sparing my life in the late battle fought on Bunker's Hill. On display at the Museum of the American Revolution in Philadelphia, the Bible and its inscription showcases what the museum considers the role religious faith played in sustaining those involved in the American Revolution. Engage with the Bible in the stories surrounding this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. And welcome back to Concord Matters with our cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians, Pastor Peter Ill, Pastor of Trinity Milstadt, Layman Peter Slayton. Did I say that right? You looked at me funny. It, it, sorry, I just heard you said Milstadt and Layman really close together. Yeah, no. It's okay. Yeah, I get I was, to serve I was Trinity Lutheran on to Church the next in Milstadt, Illinois, and this oh. is uh, Layman, Layman Peter, Peter Slayton. Slayton. Yeah, and I'm I've never been to Milstadt. I said we were going to get back on top to of things that. in the second half of this okay. show, guys, and you derailed it already. We're already off. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith, and I serve a dual parish in Southern Illinois. Let's get back to the topic at oh, hand. We are people in. People love us for the rabbit trails, though. <sighs> I feel like I just got my hand smacked. <laughs> you know. We, we we actually met some of our listeners down at convention, and uh, thank you all five of you for listening. And, um, and <laughs> one of them said he liked hi. the witty banter. Yeah, he 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 actually said that it's like I'm the big brother of the show, constantly <laughs> smacking down the the younger siblings. It's about right. I, I think that's accurate. Me, I think. Yeah, I think that's, but, yeah. Um, anyway, I'm I, definitely I, the I try to have middle a child. I try to have a quality show here. And then I have the Peters on. But as then my you guests. have us. Okay, but no, you guys are great. You are excellent, and 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 I appreciate. I wanted to say right before break. You know, we were right up against the break there, but I love what you were saying, uh, especially as a layman. You know, uh, talking about the importance of the church, and and, and mm-hmm. I think that that you know it, it just reinforces. This is this is the layman's confession as well, right? Yeah. Uh, that uh, it's not just pastors that are saying these crazy things. There, there's your fellow <laughs> layman. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. One of the listeners when we met at convention was like, "You are his hero," you know, because you're his fellow. Well, that's layman a scary things, thought. But, uh, I don't aspire to be anybody's hero, yeah. so that scares me. All right, back <laughs> back to the serious confession at hand, um, and and I do want to uh, cover some ground here because this is important stuff. And and uh, uh, so back on the small called articles, part three, article eight of confession. And we're going to pick up with paragraph five, and I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here. And we're using the Concordia Lutheran Confessions Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord. Before I forget that again. All right, back. Paragraph five. All this is the old devil and old serpent, citing Revelation 12.9, who also turned Adam and Eve into enthusiasts. He led them away from God's outward word to spiritualizing and self-pride, Genesis 3, 2 through 5. And yet, he did this through other outward words. In the same way, our enthusiasts today condemn the outward word, yet they themselves are not silent. They fill the world with their babbling and writings as if the Spirit could not come through the Apostles' writings and spoken word, but has come to them through their writings and words. Why don't they leave out their own sermons and writings and let the Spirit himself come to people without their writings before them, as they boast that he has come into them without the preaching of the Scriptures? We do not have time now to argue about this in more detail. We have treated this well enough elsewhere. 
Well, he may not have time, but we do. So uh, <laughs> we at least have a little while. So dig in. What's going on here? What he says about how the devil convinces Adam and Eve to be enthusiasts first really does make this this strong tie. And we'd been talking about this in the first half as well, that enthusiasm is our own desire to to speak authoritatively. And it's our own desire to make ourselves uh, into God. And so did God really say, well, if God really said or not, I'm going to say God said. And we don't do that, at least I don't usually do that overtly or intentionally. It just happens because of my sinful flesh. And the devil and the world call me to do this and tempt me to do this. And being pulled into this kind of enthusiasm, this kind of, of inner, uh, of trying to express for myself what God means without his external word, uh, it's not very trustworthy and it's very much what what my sinful flesh would like to do yeah i love the move here as i as i cited our uh dear cfw author first president of lutheran church missouri who we dearly love on this show uh he had that uh, line that i kind of probably misquoted actually but uh uh something to the effect of you know we always have the enthusiasts with us and he was talking about Luther. but i love this this move that luther makes of no actually we've had this all the way since the fall and we're going to see this yeah. continue to play out here for the next couple of paragraphs actually um that yeah it, it does go back to that original adam in us right our, our sinful mm-hmm. flesh and, and that's why we have it with us and i love what you just highlighted there for us is that you know it's not that we overtly do this it's just simply a part of our nature our fallen nature our sinful nature our concupiscence oh yes to use the big theological you love word. that word what's concupiscence <laughs> he just said Peter. it our fallen yeah. nature, original sin, our, our our state of loving sin is a, another way of putting it. But I, I think the the move being made, which Luther points out really well, is this trusting another word apart from God's word. And in this, in enthusiasm, it's very often our own word, our own thoughts, our own ideas of what God is. But we we're constantly tempted to trust other words, other promises that come to us from the world. I can't help but think of the claims that philosophy often makes, that science makes in this day and age, that are we're, we're often tr- co- tempted to trust our own reason over God's word. We say, well, God can't, can't mean that. It must mean something else. That doesn't make sense. That's not reasonable. And so in, enthusiasm is simply one more iteration, one more version of trusting something else other than God's word. And yeah, it's always been this way. This isn't anything new. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of something as you, you had, and then I just cut off. Oh, this is terrible radio. The train of thought oh, derailed. Oh, man. It was so, what were you talking about? <laughs> That's just bad. <laughs> Philosophy, uh, science, oh, trusting I know. other Sorry, words. Another word. Okay, thank you. Wow, this is bad radio. I apologize. All right. So or it's very entertaining yeah, either way. Maybe. You know. But you were talking about you know this other word, and this this is just Luther at his best, actually. He brings this up multiple mm-hmm. different places in his writings, but I was going to talk about how in, his, uh, in Luther's works, uh, his lectures on Genesis and so forth. Uh, he talks about, he nails this on the head exactly right there with the fall into sin. And he says, what, what is the original sin, but wanting to trust another word, right? Yeah. As more authoritative. And, and this again, just to kind of 
drive this home is that enthusiasm that comes in. And again, I think this really relates into confession. It, it seems like we're doing a whole lot of talking about enthusiasm and things like that under this article of confession and that he's not saying much about confession itself. Yeah. Um, although we've, <laughs> we've dealt with kind of the, you know, the, uh, the description, the um, definition of it earlier in the smoke called articles. Um, but, uh, but here he, he's, he's hitting the nail on the head of what is the great danger for us and, and what is going on in confession under the Roman Catholic church and what they're doing. And, and, and here, so it, it's not, you know, I feel, you know, and things. And we tend to see this in our contemporary culture, right? Where we trust another word where, Oh, I don't feel like homosexuality is actually sinful, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, because I I feel this way. Why would God make me this way? You know, we hear those sorts of things said in our culture to excuse what God has clearly said in his word, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, you know, when it comes to matters of not even just homosexuality, but but marriage in general, you know, divorce. Just the idea of what love is. We can just start there. Yeah, or or with any kind of sin, really, mm-hmm. right? You know, we we can even justify our our theft and things of that nature, right? And what does it ultimately boil down to? But that original sinful nature, which I'm going to trust another word, right? Mm-hmm. That comes from within myself rather than God's authoritative word, which spoke creation into being, and He gives us His law and says this is how it's ordered to work because I made it to work this way. Yeah. I end up with another kind of of another word that comes up in me, and that is sometimes when I feel guilty and when I feel ashamed of things that I've done, I think, I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus says I'm going to have peace, and I'm not feeling it. And, Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that I believe and live like it's true. And to that end, God has sent this office of the ministry of the proclamation of the gospel. God has sent to me my pastor, who, like Layman Slayton said before, grabs me by the head and speaks God's absolution and traces a cross on my forehead with his thumb so that it's clear to me that this is really for me. Jesus has marked me with his cross, and he has spoken his forgiveness into my ears, not from within myself, but from outside of me. And he has loved me so much that he indeed suffered and died and rose again and reigns over all things from heaven. And he sent me a pastor to to tell me about it. And that is really good news. And the absolution that we use in the Lutheran Church most commonly, I, by by virtue of my office, as I called in ordained ordained servant of Christ, right? Always pointing back to Christ, that word of Christ. In the stead and by the command of Christ. Absolutely. And and so it centers on us on that objective, right, work of Christ applied to us through his spoken word, the authority of his word. And it's not upon your pastor or what you think or what you feel, whether it be positive or negative about your sin, uh, whatever it is, this is God's word. And and we, we believe that word. And as I cited from the catechism earlier, whoever believes these words and promises has what they say, right? Uh, it applies to all of our means of grace. Well, going back to the question of why, why are there only two paragraphs talking about confession itself? And then we have a several lengthy ones where it doesn't seem to be talking about that. I think of the organization of the small called articles versus the organization of like the, the Augsburg Confession. You know, when we're going through the Augsburg Confession, the apology, the first section is here's what we believe. Second section is here's what we don't believe. Here's what we reject. These these are the things that are true, and these are the things that are not true. Luther isn't quite doing it in the same way because 
he started off this entire document with Christ is the center of everything, that word of gospel, who he is, that word of forgiveness. That's the center, the linchpin of everything that we do. All of the things that we talk about focus around that. So as he gets into this article, as he's discussing confession, he mentions briefly, here's what it is. But what he's spending the rest of the time doing is, here's the other words that are being spoken that are not God's word. And and he's using enthusiasm as the primary foil of that time, because once again, the people he's dealing with is is the Roman church at that time speaking their own words, claiming that, that they're from God. And now these new people who aren't part of the Roman church, who have split off as a result of the Reformation and the church beginning to splinter a little bit more, and they have their own ideas of what this is. And so what Luther is doing is he's saying, it's kind of that second half of here's the things we don't believe. Here's these other words that are being spoken at this time, most commonly, that are not the word of Christ. These are not words of forgiveness. We In confession, we need words of forgiveness. These words, they don't come from God's word. They're not from the Bible. They are not of Christ or about Christ or pointing to Christ. They are enthusiasm. And as we talked about, too, the, the whole nature of this document was in preparation for a meeting that never happened. Um, but that meeting was to have discussion on these these points of, of confessing the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to a matter like confession, it, it's not an issue in, in the proposed meeting of the, the Catholics and the Lutherans, Luther himself here, uh, that there should be confession or anything. What, what's the problem is what's going on in confession. Mm-hmm. And so this is where Luther's highlighting because of enthusiasm, you know, that, that has played its role into your approach to, um, confession namely in in terms of absolution right right um that that it, it it's it's become an abomination it's right. it's not what it's intended to be you're, you're not you're no longer going to confession to hear that your sins are forgiven you go to confession to then hear what you have to do to make up for the sins you've done to avoid the worst of the punishments or to prevent some of the punishment that's enthusiasm that's not the word of christ the forgiveness for your sins that's that's not what confession is for that's not why christ gave it to us yeah which you know when when there's those sorts of abuses and so forth they need to be talked about because as i highlighted on the show last week in my observation i think a lot of christians don't make use of especially private confession and absolution just because some of these misunderstandings that have come from past abuses or even mm-hmm. some abuses that we see today still creep up in people's minds and so they don't make make use of this great treasure yeah. right uh, mm-hmm. and so we we need to be clear about you know what 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 we are really saying about confession right but we're also pointing out the error here so that you can say that's not what we're saying about confession having come from a background that did not have confession and absolution in that sense i would say probably the biggest misconception or misunderstanding that i had is that this is the pastor's word that he is speaking to me which According to this article, that well, that would be enthusiasm. If it is simply the pastor speaking his own words under his own authority, forgiving my sins, yeah, you know what? That's wrong. That's a problem because that's that's not <laughs> that's enthusiasm. That is not the word of Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. But what what we're talking about, confession and absolution, done according to Scripture, is the pastor speaking Christ's words 
as the physical representation of Christ right there in front of me. And why do we have that? Well, because God knows that I actually need, I'm, I'm a physical being. He created me that way. He knows I need something physical in front of me to tell me that f- so that I can believe. Well, and maybe this too, I, I'll ask you this, you know, coming from what we call the American evangelical background that you have and so forth, as we talked on the show before, you know, lacking, you know, any sense of, you know, in a lot of those kinds of churches and so forth, you, you don't even have the general confession and absolution mm-hmm. as a part of the service that we have and so forth. And yet our conscience still weighs heavy on us, right? We, sure. we know that we don't live, well, I mean, Romans 7, right? You know, the good that I would, I yep. don't, right? And all yep. that, you know, so it will inflict our, inf- afflict our conscience. Afflict, yeah, there we go. Uh, sorry. Uh, afflict our conscience. And so, you know, how how does a tradition like that deal with that? You know, we have what, father what feathers. Father <laughs> <laughs> I'm just right. kidding. Okay. I, I, in, in my own experience, it was just, Say, tell God you're sorry and simply try and do better. And in the act of doing better, you feel better about the sins that you've committed. And there's a, depending on how you go about it personally, sometimes it's, well, I'm doing better this time around. Okay. And then I'm pretty sure that I'm forgiven because I'm really trying, trying hard and I'm, I'm succeeding. Um, it, it, in the end, the burden always comes back on me to improve or to do better in some way. And and it is a constant cycle that ebbs and flows. Sometimes things are great for a long time. Sometimes they're bad for a long time. Sometimes it's a very fast turnaround <laughs> on, on both ends of that pendulum. Um, so it's never a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. But I, the trust in God's Word and what He says is more difficult without the external assurance, um, without the means, with without having that word delivered to me in some way that I can trust. God is delivering this to me because this is the way he said he would do it. I can trust that this is actually Christ speaking to me because he said this is how he's going to do it. Um, lacking those means, it is, eh, the life of a Christian is more difficult in some ways. So that kind of highlights exactly what Luther's showing here, that as we talked yeah. about in the first half of the show, you know, the two sides of the same coin. So whether it's the, the Roman Catholics, which don't quite do this anymore today, though they still have, you know, indulgences mm-hmm. and things, whether it's, you know, go buy indulgences, well, how much is enough? How, you know, how much gets you, you know, on God's good side? You know, how many good works right. do I have to do? Whether it's that or being directed to, you know, well, well, be sorry and do better, you know, <laughs> it, it still leaves you in the law. And how much is enough? Am I really forgiven? It leaves you in your feelings. It's enthusiastic all the way through yeah. and, and and that's you know why I wanted to ask that question and kind of bring this out is because this this is why we're talking so much about enthusiasm here yeah. in relation to confession what's interesting is on the other side of that pastor Whedon had a fantastic homily in chapel last Thursday I would encourage everybody to go to go listen to it because which you can find in the archives here on, on KFUO. KFUO yep if you click on uh, worship or prayer in the menu there there's chapel services look for Pastor Whedon uh, preaching on Jeremiah because he talked about how we can actually swing even as Lutherans swing the other way and treat the sacraments these means that God has given us to to hear His word and to know that we are forgiven as if they're like a, a, a get out of sin free card where it's like. Well, I went to the Lord's Supper, so I can just do whatever I want this week. And so 
as on on the one side growing up it's i need to make sure that i don't misbehave because that's how i know that i'm a christian you swing too far the other way it's like but it doesn't really matter how I behave because I know I can be forgiven if I get to church on Sunday and, and hear the right things from my pastor. And so, in a way, that's just enthusiasm on the other end while adding on the abuse of the gifts that God has given us. So, um, it, it does, it does hurt on both sides there. You can, you can fall off the horse on both sides or in the ditch or what, what's whatever Luther said about horses and ditches and something. I thought it was a donkey and it was a drunk. And it was a d- yeah. Well, there was something. Well, there we go. But yes, and don't be drunk. That's also yeah. bad. Yeah, just don't do he, that. He resolves, I'm not going to fall off to that side, and promptly falls off to the other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, while Pastor Ill stops playing on his phone with other <laughs> things in the background, there, uh, Lehman Slayton told me to download the Pastor Whedon sermon, so I was doing it. <laughs> oh, nice, excellent. <laughs> It still doesn't excuse you. We're we're live on air here. All right, back to the show. All right, uh, picking up with paragraph seven because we want to do make want do want to make some more headway. Paragraph seven of part three of the small called articles, article eight. For even those who believe before being baptized or become believing in baptism believe through the outward word which came first. For example. Adults who have come to reason must first have heard whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark sixteen sixteen. Even though they are first unbelieving and receive the spirit and baptism 10 years afterward, Cornelius living among the Jews had heard long before about the coming Messiah through whom he was righteous before God. Acts 10, 1 through 2. In such faith, his prayers and alms were acceptable to God since Luke calls him devout and God fearing. Without the word coming first and without hearing it, he could not have believed or been righteous, Romans 10.17. St. Peter, though, had to reveal to him that the Messiah, in whom he had previously believed as one who would come in the future, now had come, lest his faith in the coming Messiah hold him captive among the Jewish people who were hardened and unbelieving. He must now know that he is saved by the present Messiah and must not, with the Jewish people, deny or persecute him. In a word, enthusiasm dwells in Adam and his children from the beginning to the end of the world. Its venom has been implanted and infused into them by the old serpent. It is the origin, power, and strength of all heresy, especially that of the papacy Muhammad. Therefore, we must constantly maintain this point. God does not want to deal with us in any other way than through the spoken word and the sacraments. Whatever is praised as from the Spirit, without the word and sacraments, is the devil himself. God wanted to appear even to Moses through the burning bush and spoken word. Exodus 3, 2 through 15. No prophet, neither Elijah nor Elisha, received the Spirit without the Ten Commandments or the spoken word. John the Baptist was not conceived without the word of Gabriel coming first, nor did he leap in his mother's womb without Mary's voice. Luke 1, 11 through 20, 41. Peter says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter one twenty one. Without the outward word, however, they were not holy, much less would the Holy Spirit have moved them to speak when they were still unholy. They were holy, says he, since the Holy Spirit spoke through him. This, again, brings us back to something I want to highlight that we began all the way back at the Live at Convention show, which this ties us back into Article 4, then, here of Part 3 of the Gospel, where we see the centrality of the Word, the spoken Word, the outward Word, the Word of Christ, is 
center for the gospel itself and and how it's delivered to us, the means of grace, which comes to us in baptism, the sacrament of the altar, right, the Lord's Supper, confession, uh, all of it here centered on the spoken word of Christ and not our enthusiasm about it, right? And as this comes, this is not something that... Uh, as try as we might to control the outward word, the spoken word, as much as we might try to understand it, as much as we might try to uh, have it answered to us, it's not the place of the word of God. And according to John 1, the word of God isn't the Bible. The word of God isn't the sermon. The word of God, who was present with the Father in the beginning, is Jesus, is the Christ. Mm. And so... The word of God spoken to us is Christ himself. And as Christ himself comes to us in absolution, in sermons, in the reading of scripture, in baptism, and in the Lord's Supper, that's exactly what we get is his promise. He is the one who shapes us and forms us. It's not about if I do a better job, but the complete and total comfort that I have, if I feel it or not, if I'm able to get it to spill out of myself or not, is Jesus. And then the move that Luther is making here is is a fantastic move. Once again, comparing to the Augsburg Confession, a lot of the articles there were to convince Rome, look, we don't believe anything different. This is what the church has always taught. What's Luther doing here? This is how God has always worked. Here's a quick survey of scripture from the beginning of Genesis all the way through the apostles and their writings. God has always worked in this way. He has always worked through his promise, the promise of his son. He has always worked through his son. And in fact, Pastor Real, you didn't go here. I was wondering if you might. In the Old Testament, it was always Jesus actually doing that work. The Gospel of John actually tells us pretty clearly, hey, all those times that Yahweh was acting, that was Jesus. This isn't new. God has always worked through his son. It's always been the word of Christ that has done the saving work, that has done the forgiving and, and, and all of that. And as we look at this, it's the, the burning bush example seems to stand out as like, a well, that's kind of weird. But the point he's making is, look, these weren't thoughts that suddenly appeared in the minds of these people. Moses didn't just have this thought out of nowhere. The prophets just didn't have these thoughts suddenly implanted in their heads that they didn't know where they came from. No, there was a spoken word that came to them so that they knew these thoughts are not thoughts from inside their own head. Yeah, it actually makes me think of, I have the one-year lectionary in my congregations in pastoral. I know you have the three-year, but what we had last week for our Old Testament reading, you have for your Old Testament reading in the three-year coming up, and it's uh, Jeremiah 23, I think, 6 through 19. And it actually highlights this point. I love what Luther does here in highlighting, you know, what what was the job of the prophets to speak the word of God, right? And if they didn't have that word come to them, then they weren't doing it. That's the point uh, Jeremiah 23 makes, right? Oh, yeah. Is these folks are, are, are claiming that they're they're speaking for God, but they clearly don't have the word. And so yep. what are they? They're false prophets. And it's not going to go well with them. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so the center of it all is the word of God. Pastor Ellen, any parting thoughts for us as we're wrapping up here? The very center of what we do is to confess that word of God, to confess it not just so that we receive absolution, but to be faithfully the church and to have that chance to be in Concord and to confess that word of truth that is Jesus Christ. 
Absolutely. Thanks to the Peters for being my cohort again today. Always a pleasure to have you guys with us. And the heart of it all, the heart of the scriptures, the heart of Luther's teaching, the heart of what we confess is the word, the gospel for you. Uh, Thanks for stopping by today. If you have any questions or comments that you'd like to leave for us to address the next time we convene for Concord, you can send us a message by phone calling 314-996-1542, email kfuo at kfuo.org or on social media at KFUO Radio. Thanks for stopping by today, and until next time, keep confessing, church.